Take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black. Got the boosters black to match. Riding on a horse. Ha, you can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley. You ain't been up off that porch now. Can't nobody feel me. Welcome back to our low effort, low quality podcast. This is Liz Brunig. This is my husband, Matt. Hi, everyone. I've listened to that goddamn song so many times now. It's great, isn't it? You know, I mean, uh, I can't tell if you're interested in it because you think it's a good song or because you enjoy the controversy. No, it's a wonderful song. I mean, you hear it. You like the artistry. I like, yeah, I mean, I like both. I like the story. I like the song itself. I like, you know. um, What is the title? The title is is um, uh, Old Town Road by Lil Nas X. A SoundCloud rapper. Well, he just signed a seven-figure record deal with Columbia Records, so well, I wouldn't call him a SoundCloud rapper at this point. Excuse me, yeah. So he, he's a, uh, you know, he's no longer uh, at the shit tier of rappers, though we are at the shit tier of he's podcasters. He's not a rapper, he's a country musician. So this is, this is, the, this is the crux of the controversy. What's the controversy? I mean, he's a country musician. Matt, why don't you explain the fucking controversy? Because you're obsessed with it. <laughs> you told me what Justin Bieber said about this on his Instagram. Yes, yeah, so I've been collecting all of the information about this controversy and chronicling it like so I do. Why don't, you, why don't you lay it on the listeners? Okay, so, you know, Lil Nas X puts out this uh, piece uh, of music. It's only two minutes long. You only got to hear the first minute um, on YouTube and on SoundCloud. And he puts it in under country, you know, tags it and so on as a country song. And, uh, you know, it starts taking off more recently. And, you know, apparently radio stations were, it was so, it was such a hit, especially a viral hit. Radio stations were just pulling, were just scraping like MP3 off of YouTube uh, and like using that version of it. Um, And he just went up the country charts. He debuted at number 19 on the on the hot uh hot country charts the billboard hot country charts he's also uh come on some of the other uh charts the hip-hop charts and so on and you know because it's just been super successful it's had like 32 million views on youtube it's been played in radio stations spotify and so on and just yesterday billboard took it off the country charts said it's not a country song and here we are having to debate is this a country song is it not a country song um is this racism are they doing racism against him that's another question it does seem a little unusual (laughs) for a country record country song he's singing about horses cowboys subject subject matter is a piece of it also vocal twang (laughs) the vocal twang is there you Uh, heard it i i did so but the beat it seems uh there's a trap beat sure but some other country music songs have had trap beats on them i I, um, I can't recall any country song immediately absolutely um i don't remember the name of the one there was one that was on the top there was a number one on the country charts for a long time had a trap beat underneath it you've got jason aldean out here trying to do sort of like rap verses 
uh, and he's on the country charts. You got Florida Georgia Line uh, is on the country charts. They're basically doing some sort of rap type music. Um, so what's the issue? What's the issue? He presents this squarely on his YouTube. What's the problem? Billboard said, well, it, it doesn't have the country elements. But what are the country elements? Those are not spelled out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the country elements are. It has a beat. It has a trap beat. Does country Again, not have to have guitar or like a... There, there's banjo in it. There's banjo in it. Okay. So, it's got banjo, uh, subject matter, horses, etc. That song uh, by Coleman Hell, Two Heads, it has banjo in it. Yeah, I think that one, uh, would they, that they would put that under folk for some reason. Um, I mean, it's But it seems like it's like dance music, kind of. And then, you know, the banjo. I think they'd put that under indie folk. I mean, I don't know what chart it would be because, like, that's not a chart, but it would probably be a country so chart. So this is part of your ongoing obsession with weird <laughs> metaphysical questions like what is a river? I mean, what you know, that's part of what's interesting to what me is about a country it. Song? It's also, it's a good song. It's a viral song. The artist is hilarious on Twitter. He said um, that the billboard people said you got too much dip on your chip. Yeah. He put a, he put a video saying... <laughs> Whoa, there! Too much dip on your chip. That's what he said. He did it in the same sort of twang <laughs> that he does the song. <laughs> I in. mean, you um, have to support him. Absolutely. I I've, mean, his Twitter yeah. avi is him taking a selfie with uh, with Elmo. Jane would love that. So I support at a him. store. He's, I at, he's him. clearly at a like Kmart or he something. He didn't even buy the Elmo. No, he just <laughs> it's there, and you know, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like. People are saying, well, is this a parody? Is he doing a parody? I don't think so. And he's like, no, look, I put a lot of effort into that song. Anyone who listens to it can tell that I put a lot of effort into it. And then also, I'm kind of sitting out here being like, look, these concepts, these strict concepts of is this parody? Is this humor? Is this a real song? Is this not a real song? These are uh, pre-internet questions. Uh, this gentleman uh, obviously has grown up his entire life on the internet. These categories of uh, sincerity irony they've been completely obliterated by the online it's true he might be doing a parody satire and be serious at the same time he the categories might not even exist might in his head and and i because i have the same conundrum online people are like <laughs> are you doing a joke it's like i don't know who could tell i'm just <laughs> i'm just putting content and just seeing just seeing what comes of it i don't i definitely sympathize you know, with that i i, I don't have a theory uh, behind my content i just uh, put the content out i saw uh, yeah i mean well i usually i usually think about tweets um for about two seconds <laughs> before i send them out and uh, I saw someone state that they unfollowed me because they could never tell if I was joking or not. And uh, I was like, buddy, me neither. I can't tell either. I have no idea. I mean, what is a joke? I feel like I'm beyond these categories of like, <laughs> oh, he's making a sincere point. He's making a humorous point. I'm just making a point. And I'm not even making a point. I'm just presenting a point. <laughs> Here's a thing. Let's see what goes. You where do it goes. a lot. You do a lot more of that. I've just... Uh, I've discovered an idea and I'm just placing it on the table than I do. I, but but for me, the, the fact is that uh, just because it's a closely held and sincere view doesn't mean I don't think it's funny as shit. Sure, sure. Or the opposite. Yeah. Just because it's satirical doesn't mean it's not serious and that I'm doing serious. And so I mm. relate to him on that level, on a very deep level, because I feel like he probably could not, you know, he's resisting these sort of notions that, oh, I have a theory of what I'm doing. Am I making fun? No, I'm just I'm just putting it out well, there. Well, definitely there's got to be an element of racism and billboard pulling it off the country charts. Uh, probably, you, you know? know. 
I mean, there are some black country artists that show up on it, so you can say, "Oh, it's not explicitly race," but, but you do know, they conform to it's the Lil Nas X? Yeah, you know, young and yeah. So uh, you know, I don't know. Um, they have previously denied other songs, like Beyonce tried to put a song on what? But she, but she has point. like very definitive um, country vibes in a lot of her stuff. You know, I, I don't know. What's I, the I don't one, know that you, one? You know, you must not know about me. To the left. That's that has a I don't remember what feel. song it was. I didn't actually I go into that, that controversy. I think that song was written for Faith Hill. I don't go into that controversy because, you know, she's a big star, whereas this guy, you If know, Faith Hill sang Daddy Lessons, they would put it on the country Well, chart. I mean, you have these problems across the board. What about Shania Twain? Is she country? Is she pop? Uh, Taylor Swift was country, but then pop. What's the difference? Yeah, Casey Musgraves is a crossover. Between, what's the difference between pop and R&B? Yeah, is she, is she country? Is she indie? Yeah. I mean, I would say she's... More obviously country, but somehow but there's some gets her aesthetic appeal to go to like the indie crowd. So that particular songs, I mean, like butterflies, but mm. you know, it's hard to say. These lines are hard to draw. The lines are hard to draw. I feel like if they're letting other people bring these beats in, if they're letting other people do basically verses, then why can't he do this? Yeah. At least he's gesturing towards country themes. Some of these other songs is, I mean, what's country mm. about them? What what is even the country theme here? Some bullshit. There's no country theme in Revelator. Gillian Welch is often considered a country artist. True. I mean, what's what's country about driving out to California, sleeping on the beach, moving the fader on your car radio, and wanting to die? You know, I mean, it has... California is not even the country. It has some themes. That's what he said, though. He's like, it has a theme. You know, it has some themes that are con- that are conventional in country music, but... You know, I say if he wants to put it out on country, let him put it out on country. Let him put it out on country. And the fact that the country stations were playing it, and the fact that the you know listeners were receptive, the people who like country music were like, "This is great." You gotta Whether let the country they, listeners decide. Because really. they think it's kind of funny or not, I don't know. But and they probably think it whips, honestly, especially the young kids. I think about my cousins who are driving their F-150s to high school out in oh, Allen, yeah. Texas. They probably would think this slaps. No, there's like a million TikTok videos <laughs> based on this from you know. Yeah. Otherwise, country music listening people. Yeah. Um, Did Justin so. Bieber not say this shit bangs? Yeah, something like that yeah. on his Instagram. I don't remember the exact quote. Well, um, here on the Brunig cast, you know, we always support people who stretch the form. Absolutely. I, I mean, he's just completely, he's just transcended in many ways. Yes. Hopefully he'll come on the podcast and talk uh, about it. Little Nas um, X, you have our revolutionary sympathies. We support you against the imperialist billboard. Uh, we think it's country and also we think it, it slaps. It's good. It's good. In other news, uh, this week, uh, there was an article in Jezebel (laughs) called, we need to talk about Lauren Duca. Okay. Um, I would say we do not. That's going to be my response to that as well. We do not need to. Um, she's she apparently got drunk at a Halloween party at work and sent some anonymous emails through one of their anonymous comment systems, calling her coworkers bald and fat. Okay, well you know that's the risk when you drink. <laughs> that's just kids. Don't you do know, that. The brew cast is a sober cast. Uh, it's a dry cast. Yep. Neither of us drink. Nope. Uh, especially at a work function, I would not. 
Yeah. Don't if, even go to work functions. Yeah, for one, don't even show up. Oh, we have a work party. <laughs> I Sorry, mean, I'm busy doing literally anything else. I mean, I'm... going to uh, shoot a staple gun through work, the webbing of my thumb. party, these two things don't go together. I have no. the work, and then I, I have the parties over here. I, no. I don't want to bring them Never. together. Never. Um, Never. Don't shit where you eat. Uh, and also, just like, if I'm at a work function, I feel like I'm working. If it's sponsored by the workplace or held at the workplace, it's like when a coworker has a birthday party. Oh, happy birthday. But it's like, I'm on the clock, man. Yeah. Well, I've been to a few of these and th- th- I've actually found them to be okay. Yeah. I'm not saying they're bad. But I'm just saying I feel like I'm working. Well, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just sort of talk about, you know, the stuff you're doing. Yeah. Working on this case. Yeah. Employers, real son of a bitch. You know, <laughs> that's basically it. <laughs> Like, it's fun because sometimes you like to talk about your cases and not just sort of, um, uh, you know, when I used to be a a lawman, just kind of handle them in obscurity sort of by yourself in the office. You like other people to recognize you're doing things, I guess. Um, So it does provide an opportunity for that. But it's kind of a sad, it's kind of a sad thing, ultimately, (laughs) I would say. I I just I I don't know I don't know. Uh, it seemed like the whole piece was premised on like, can you really be a feminist and also be an asshole? And I was like, in my experience, the overlap is a hundred percent. Certainly, a public <laughs> sort of. Uh, it's yeah. like, can you be a media person and not be an asshole? Is the question. That's true. I mean, uh, and I include myself in this in this group. I've never done that, but I also I often do not return emails. Which I feel like is I feel bad about it, but like coworkers will be like, "Hey, we just got a new place and we're hosting dinner parties now. Do you want to come over?" And I'll look at it and I'll think about it, and like the overwhelming anxiety will crush me, and I'll forget to respond because then it's marked red in my inbox. Oh yeah, yeah, marking them red—that's a tough one. Once an email's red, it's dead to me. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, I have that issue. I will I will keep some of them unread for long periods of time just to keep that number in the inbox. Uh, but otherwise, I'm inbox zero across the board. Um, oh, I'm inbox hundreds upon hundreds. Zero. I've news. always been zero, it's always will news. be zero. It's bad news. Except for when I have the one, you know. Work socializing is tough. Uh, we also forgot to talk about uh, the New York Magazine profile of socialism. Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't read that. There's another um, thing I don't give a shit about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some qu- quotes of it on Twitter and, you know, it looked... We were in it. Uh, but oh, yeah. Well, well like... I in wasn't the, interviewed. In a little bar. Um, so they did... New York Magazine did this whole package on socialism and a guy from the magazine emailed me and, and was like, can we interview you about Christianity and socialism? And I was like, no. I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't get any email. Like, what is that? I was like, oh, I don't want to get whatever this is. I don't want to be dragged into it. I was like, discriminated against for I, being in DC. I just, I was just like, I have ninety nine problems. The last thing I need is five hundred Brooklynite socialists in my DMs being like, you're a counter revolutionary imperialist. <laughs> Like, well, no. it turned out that he's just trying to make them look like fools, I guess, yeah. right? So, well, that's often the case with these trend pieces on socialism. It's like all the young, bright kids are socialists, but they're just stupid. Yeah, I mean, I, I've submitted myself uh, to one of these at one point, only on the understanding that, like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> oh, this is a sort of small publication, and I'm doing this guy solid i guess well but we had a friend who vouched for them as other well. other than that i i don't really understand why to do them mm-hmm. 
Like I don't really get it. Like what? Yeah. What do I get out of this? I I can't. What do I? I mean, unless you just like seeing yourself like presented, like you know, in a sort of ego stroking way. Other than that, it's like. This doesn't really get you new opportunities. It's not like you're an artist or something where it's like, oh, if I do this, then a record company will see me or something. It's like no one, nothing results from this. You don't get more money. You don't get more opportunities. You just get more people yelling at you. Yeah. Fuck that. It's like, uh, would you like to be punched in the face in exchange for nothing? It's like, no. I mean, yeah. Absolutely not. I guess if you, I guess if you had like parents who were interested in it, you could like send them a clip or something and that would be, but like my parents could give a shit about that. Imagine if your parents gave a shit about your politics. That would be rough. (laughs) I mean, my particular parents, my dad. uh, It'd be like, uh, New York Magazine? Is that a, is that a good one? Is that, that's a, that's like Texas Monthly, but for New York? Be like, yeah, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. When I, I don't live in New York, so. My dad, uh, every time I see him, he goes, bad week for the democrats <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah well you, you only watch fox I, yeah are they ever like democrats kicked our ass this week no they're always like democrats suck this week <laughs> 52 sucky weeks for the democrats per year and i don't even disagree with that i don't analogy. even disagree that's Absolutely. not even wrong <laughs> no so uh speaking of other news my dad cares about and continuing our streak of shit we don't care about the Mueller report dropped Oh, Mueller, Mueller, Miller. It's uh, Mueller so time. So I, I said it Mueller on a radio program uh, and they, they made me redo a take to say Mueller because apparently it's Mueller. But I'm just saying there's an E in there. There's so. an E. So I feel like you don't get to call it at that point. I haven't seen him say it. Even if he said it Mueller, I'm just saying there's an E in there. So what are you asking from me? I mean, I just feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, he should pull the E out. Yeah, either get rid of the E or accept that people are going to say a Mueller. You know? Absolutely. I think I think you have an, a responsibility when you're especially because I've had this issue with my last name where some of my family will say Bruning. With an extra N. With an extra N. And I've had to uh, personally modify the pronoun- pronunciation going forward and insist, no, it's Brunig. So I feel like henceforth it will be Brunig whatever it used to be historically is is gone um so yeah. i think that's you know and he should have done that himself so he should have anyway, said no it's it's mueller anyway it's been on last two years putting together this investigation oh did trump collude with russia to hack the election and you know so people got indicted along the way cohen manafort and so forth uh and, you know, the ostrich pants guy, or was it a jacket? That's Manafort. That's Manafort. And then Cohen's a sad lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like Henry Winkler. Um, and well, like, like a lot of that stuff was like procedural stuff, like wire fraud. Wire fraud, a lot like, of money laundering I mean, type all shit. all this stuff sort of basically ends up being like in that direction. It's and like, I was happy to see asshole rich people get prosecuted for white collar crime. I think that's always good, no matter who it happens to. Uh, Democrat or Republican, and I just always thought, you know, unlikely this is going to turn out much. It was just my feeling about it. Okay. Well, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Brunig position. I would say, yeah, I would say my position was <laughs> a number of things. <laughs> One, uh, I don't know. I find it unlikely that they're going to be able to find some smoking gun where Trump. Yeah you know sat down and did anything you know like <laughs> does trump even send emails just i mean how would this even work did he was there some meeting no one noticed he had with with putin like that that seemed unlikely to me and then separately um 
what it is that they colluded to do yeah was like a joke like that's what i was it's like oh uh, yes they got together and they colluded to make a uh, fake instagram accounts yeah like oh man you really whoo you really you really the, the republic is is really on its on its knees now um <laughs> like that's like that that's what it is so yeah. like I, what if you what if you found that he did call up putin and say can you make an instagram account that tries to persuade black people not to vote um like what that would have amount to i mean it's mm-hmm. it was trivial um so that's sort of my perspective and then of course the online people who are really interested in it are you know they just look like benghazi nutcases they're so annoying and like so clearly unhinged many of them it launched at least a dozen grifter careers oh yeah um, i mean and the, the 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 like i don't even know if it was like all along, there was responsible analysis from people who are just kind of following the investigation on the actual reporterly level. Being like, sure, I yeah, mean, there was some, I guess. It's happening. But you also got stuff like, have yourself a Mueller little Christmas. Oh, there were multiple Mueller Christmas carols. All they I want for so Christmas is you on Saturday Night Live. SNL. Oh, that picture of, of the SNL ladies dancing in front of the Mueller with the santa hat is yeah. is truly haunting <laughs> oh my god it's snl just has a musical number for every moment of profound democratic collapse it's just so sick you look it at that and you're like god remember they, yeah after the election they they had uh, kate mckinnon as hillary clinton because leonard cohen had passed away singing hallelujah mm-hmm. she's like i thought that bit was really hilarious until someone was like no it's not a joke and i was like yeah she was crying at the end she's like her eyes are kind of shining she's like i told the truth i didn't come to fool you i I was like this is hilarious (laughs) because it is it is exactly how hillary clinton feels about herself because she's such an egomaniacal like you know so delusional and and views herself (laughs) yeah and i'm like this is hilarious and then people are like no she really meant it and i was like oh oh that's that's really sad. Henry, Hillary Clinton will stand before God saying nothing but hallelujah for having fucked up 2016. <laughs> All right, whatever. But that's And a it's like this like victim posture. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is well, so the, bizarre. The, how, did the, how dare the American people fail her? Wow, the most powerful human being, one of the most powerful human beings in the in in the whole world. Yeah. Uh, like hundreds of millions of dollars. God every, will be like you got to be secretary of state and a senator and, and then she's like, just like I tried and did my best. I'm so weak. It's like, no, you, you should have crushed him. You had twice as much money as him yeah. and uh, the whole media in your pocket. <laughs> you still lost. Uh, oh, anyway, so this is a habit of Saturday Night Live and they, they redid it with the Mueller thing. You know, all I, all I went for Christmas is you and you would see occasional tweets from people who seem like they should have known better being like oh it's spread i mean Arab don jr is going to jail msnbc Ian well Grimmer, the cable the cable news networks are the Maddow. most i mean people who couch themselves as like respectable types just indulging this and it really did spread across the whole like country because yeah. if you look at polls where they ask people things like they ask people questions about this. Democrats are way out there saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I always thought, oh, this Russia stuff is stupid. And like, why would you focus on it? And apparently, you know, they didn't focus on it that much. But they, all the candidates, you know, pay some lip service to the Russia thing. And I was, I was like, why? What, do you, what? But apparently, no, like a lot of Democrats 
when you poll them, they're real into this Russia shit. Okay. So then it takes on the same character as like birtherism or Benghazi or whatever, where it's like, oh, yeah, I guess you do have to kind of say something because, you know, that's what the fans and the voters want. Um, so, for instance, they had one question um, YouGov did where they asked people, do you think that Russia uh, inclusion with Trump... <laughs> tampered with the vote tallies absolutely so we're not even talking about oh there was a collusion to do a social media campaign or something but like actually manipulated the vote counts and 66 percent of democrats said yes so two (laughs) so two out of three democrats in the country think that russia actually changed the vote numbers in various precincts and states or whatever um so it's it is a literally just sort of overheated wild ass conspiracy um that has spread throughout the whole you know sort of democratic body if you will so our position on this was always that basically uh but I didn't spend too much time like dunking about it while it was going on because I was like, what's the point and then after the report dropped, I also still felt like who cares? Yeah, you know, there's a little bit of fun to be had when the report dropped. Yeah, but other than that, you move on. You move on. And then, and then, and then the whole discussion then became totally meta because it was like, well, did people actually think this? What did they actually think? Yeah, now you know, it's like, like trying to reconstruct, like with <laughs> maximum hermeneutical generosity, and so on and so forth, and being like, why is the online left taking a victory lap yeah. when they should be? And I'm like, I'm not doing shit. No, I'm, well, I'm you, just you, posting you, about normal stuff. And then you have like Glenn Greenwald out there being like, boom, I told you. And and then everyone being like, no, no, you, you were actually technically saying this other thing. Oh, uh, you weren't God. saying that this would you you were. At, and, and, you know, and then You're so now we're, like, we're litigating this. Jesus Christ, spare um, me, please. Just give me an early death. I mean, I, I feel for Glenn. I, I'm pro Glenn. I, I want him to fight, fight the fight, the fight on on Twitter for sure. Um, but <laughs> the responses were now people are trying to figure out what does Glenn really yeah. did, 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 did this actually exonerate Glenn? Because remember, they they did all these pieces about there was that piece in what I think it was New York Magazine, maybe the New Yorker. That was literally the whole premise of the piece is Glenn Greenwald has become completely insane and lost his mind. Because he's denying this Trump Russia thing, despite undeniable evidence to the contrary. Like that was the whole premise of the piece. There wasn't even like an argument of it. It was like that was a premise of the piece. And then the piece is, why is he insane? What happened that made him go? And so like, you know, that's where we were a few months ago. And now we're (sighs) at, well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Glenn, sure, sure. But maybe he actually thought something more extreme than that there would be no finding of collusion. Um, oh, so. God. And it I'm is just very like, exhausting. We, this is all we've had for two years. I'm so sick of it. I'm like, can, is there any point at which discourse is going to progress beyond this? Yeah, you know, can I mean, a, you can, can a helicopter airlift me to safety. You can block it off, I think, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've just muted everyone who won't shut up about it. That's yeah. my response. And hopefully it will go away at this it point. It will at so. some point. Uh, in other other news, uh, Pete Buttigieg. 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 Boot edge edge. Boot gig. Boot gig. No, 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 no. Those are definitely softies. He, he, on his Twitter bio, he says boot edge edge. Boot edge edge. Boot edge edge. Whatever you want to do, buddy. He's become, he's a thing. He came in an Emerson poll, third within a margin of error. 
within the margin of error yeah. of every other second tier candidate. Um, but hey, but that surprised people. That, that was shocking, and he's he's been doing cool things. Uh, so people are uh, excited about him. Uh, but there's a hitch. What's the hitch? The hitch is this: a lot of people really want a woman to be nominated because they feel like Hillary got screwed for unfair reasons. Oh, okay. So, and there are several women running, as you know. There's uh, Klobo, Klobuchar-Azard. Klobuchar-Azard, yeah. Uh, there's Harris, mm-hmm. Officer Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. And there's Christian Gillibrand, who's running his mom. Mm-hmm. And that other one, Marianne Williams. Also, Williamson. yeah, her. You can't leave her out. She's in a cult. So people are like, why are we paying so much attention to how smart and interesting these white dudes are? Referring to like Beto, who's like been standing on a table for three weeks straight apologizing. Mm-hmm. And Boot Edge Edge. Notably, again, <laughs> that these are uh, very low polling people. Right. They're not they're <laughs> not like taking 30 percent or anything. No. Um, but they're like, why are we focusing on these like, white male candidates and how special they are? Biden, Buttigieg, Beto. When we have like all these super viable female candidates. But here's the catch. You ready? Okay. One, Bernie's Jewish. Two. There you go. Buttigieg is not just a regular straight white male. He's openly gay and married. Boom. And so you can't just write him off as like an ordinary heteronormative white guy. I would be, I mean, a gay president would be probably a bigger deal in a sort of statistical sense than a woman president. I mean. Well, they're like 50% of people are women. I know. That's what I'm saying. So we're talking about a real, you know, what's <laughs> what are we talking about? I, minority? Don't, I don't even know how we would calculate five percent that. But I don't know how many. I don't know. Like, the, the estimates vary. vary but um, they're but they're so it's created this uh, unfortunate situation where people who probably avoid trying to do this at all costs are now forced to try to weigh out. Yeah. yeah. The oppressiveness well, right, of right. their of their particular candidates life categories. No, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. You can see they resist doing it for everything they, they're worth in no normal circumstances, but now they feel like I've got to put the pedal in the metal and jump in for yeah. Harris or no, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, no. You could tell there's definitely this hope that you could just be like, why are just, oh, if a white man, this or that, huh. right? And like that everyone would kind of just go along with it. Yeah. But like, unfortunately, you know, in the internet age, that's not really doable. Yeah. So then people are like, uh, excuse me, he's gay. So nice. I kind of got you on that one, don't I? And then they're like, oh, God, okay. All right, so let me sit down. I'm going to write out my piece about why being gay is not a big deal. Yeah, they're like, well, I mean, not to do the oppression (laughs) Olympics. Yes, this is the piece in Slate. There was a piece in Slate Slate that was like. Uh, Is Pete Buttigieg just another white male candidate or does his gayness count as diversity? By Christina Cotarucci. And... It's important that you note here, you might be like, oh, that's a little weird. Like, who can you just like be like, well, just because you're gay, that doesn't like yeah. who it's important to know um, that she does say to me, a queer woman. So she's taking an identitarian stance in her authorship. It here. seems so she's a queer woman. So she's and, and she is she, an expert on this. But what she proceeds um, to do is kind of write it off. Yes. No, she she uh, recognizing that you're supposed to not be able to be like, well, I don't know, as a gay white man, have it worse off than a straight uh, yeah, woman it's, or something. It's hard to say. Yeah, it, 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 You're not supposed to be able to do that. So she starts off with saying 
It's fruitless to argue over which marginalized identities are more or less marginalized. Right. This kind of reducted zero-sum appraisal, structural inequity, is often incorrectly derided as oppression Olympics. And then the every uh, other sentence subsequent to that in the piece is just her doing that. Oh, it's just her. I, mean, I guess you have no choice at that point in the op-ed. <laughs> but I love how this. I love. I love how writing and prose and and the punditry world works, where you can somehow think that you can get out of a critique by being like, "I know you're not supposed to do this," and it's. I I agree entirely that you shouldn't do this. Uh, it's stupid to do this, and then just do it. Yeah, And then, like, I guess the idea is that when someone then comes up and critiques you, you go, look, I, I said, said in the piece that not it's, to do it. I said in the piece it's fruitless and stupid to compare people like, <laughs> you know, I, I've got my bases covered. But like <laughs> on some <laughs> level to have this argument, that's what you're going to have to do. Of course. Like, if you're saying that what's important to me is sort of like maximal representation for disadvantaged groups at some point, as with Little Nas X. Uh, the question is going to arise, you know, what constitutes a disadvantaged group? And then you're going to have some that are in competition right. claim to be the most disadvantaged. Right. Group. It, 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 you're not going to have 2016 every time where there are two candidates, one of whom uh, is a white male. And for whatever reason, we don't count Jewishness as a as a thing. Only in Bernie's um, case. Right. Because as you saw with the Ilan Omar stuff, sometimes it does count. And then you have a white female. Yeah. And so if you, yeah, if you ignore the Jewish, you're right, right. Now, like I had Jew- many people when I was trying to say Ilan Omar was not being anti-Semitic and that she was being smeared, say like, you're refusing to listen to a disadvantaged minority group. Right, right. So sometimes it counts, but not in Bernie's case because he's on the left. Sure. Yes. And well, that, that's true generally. So, but if you, if you sideline that for a minute, it's like, okay, white man, white woman, easy, clear cut. But then you're like, well, but wait a minute. There in 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 elections, you can have more than two people. Right, exactly. You can yeah. have like twenty candidates. You could have twenty candidates, including uh, a woman of color. Uh, you you could have. We have a Latino man, Julian right. Castro, is a Latino man. I mean, we keep saying women, and we keep excluding the like obvious Tulsi Gabbard, a second woman of color who's running aside from Kamala Harris. Tulsi's a, a woman of color. She's in there. Um, we've got. Latino man how does Latino man stack up against Klobuchar well I mean especially if you're like oh I want someone who can pull Texas and that's why I'm for Beto what about Julian Castro yes yes well but they Um, would obviously but these people they don't like Beto so uh, it doesn't really matter right so like you have all of these like intersect you know the truly intersect right well it's just like yeah you could go to each one of them right yeah okay well we never had a woman president so so is that Klobuchar we never had a Latino president so is that uh julian well we, we've never had a gay president so right. here's uh pete here's pete uh we've also never know, had a jewish president we've never had a Jew- uh <laughs> can we compound them in some ways uh what about booker booker's kind of old hat we just had obama yeah just had a, we got you know so booker's a vegan <laughs> booker's a vegan uh none of them are poor or or no, working we, we, class we'll never have a poor uh, president. but you know <laughs> uh, elizabeth warren you know I guess she's still saying she's Native American. Yeah, I'm not sure how how we. I don't know how they even that address that um, one because she's just she did the old KFC double down. It was like, look down. up here's my DNA. She posted the 23andMe results. Yeah, and then uh, sort of stepped off in some sort of muddled way. Um, uh, but so that's maybe on the table, and, and then there's all sorts of other stuff you can factor in. Like it's harder to be an older woman than a younger woman. Age, but age is over. Older people are overrepresented. Pete, definitely. I mean. 
35 years old, 36 years yeah, old, he'd be one of the youngest yeah. presidents ever and certainly like very young for a politician. Yeah. Um, He's a millennial. So you've got that. So yeah, long story short, you are forced to do the thing you never wanted to do if you adopt the position that, uh, that the way that you yeah. should the way that you should do candidate selection is to consider diversity and representation because then you're like okay well as a major priority we could consider all of these different diversities and representation right. so how do I pick now yeah how you know oh okay well we got to do. What the you gotta do what you gotta do with that you point. gotta do what Christina is doing here and say well uh, let's try to weigh it out say uh no gayness is not that big a deal right, um, yeah. that's a that's a rough take I mean I, and I wouldn't uh I mean I, I, I there's no way to write a piece where you weigh out the different oppressions that turns out graceful <laughs> right I mean because you know for one different individuals within different oppressed groups experience the oppression of the group to different degrees well that's the whole point of intersectionality right, is which that is you very difficult to way out and she kind of goes into this to some degree though she yeah. doesn't because she's like well he's gay but uh he is straight passing he doesn't he, he doesn't consider it a super important component of his identity so he doesn't like foreground it and he doesn't seem to have a lot of com connections to the gay community these are the arguments she makes in saying that it's kind of like a recessive trait for right him. that's there yeah there is the one point which is like he's he's gay but he is in his mind he's hasn't he's not like fully as ensconced in the gay community or or whatnot there's this sort of he doesn't think he's gay kind of like right. suggestion going on but then there's the second suggestion which is just like uh well uh he doesn't come off as gay yeah she's like well um, you'd have to have a very finely tuned gaydar she right says. and so then it becomes do you pass or do you not pass that becomes the issue um you know it's how rough. does that work it's rough and what she's getting into with the passing thing is that <coughs> is a kind of intersectional point which yeah, is right. that well it just depends you know uh there's uh someone who's you know they're they're you know there's some gay people who are former army soldiers who you know are clean cut and you know etc like pete and yeah. then there are other kinds of gay people uh, right. and they have different experiences. But if you then bring that into the, if you bring that intersectional thought into other, cons an in, uh, apply that to the other candidates, yeah. you wind up into the same thing. Right. Like this right, is right. A, always a point with Hillary Clinton. It's like, well, she's a woman. It's like, she, she's a rich woman. She's a extremely rich, extremely rich, powerful, powerful woman. woman. She, what relationship does she, ha how, how proximate is her experience to a poor black woman? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's night distant. and day. Yeah. Oh, right. well, they're both women. It, yeah. they're, their lives are extraordinarily are, distant. No, they're completely alien to one another. A, a, a poor black woman is as different from Hillary Clinton as she is from Bernie Sanders. I mean, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the closeness of them is so remote. That yeah. there would be so so. What is that then? What in what sense is representationalism being served in that case? Um, you know, so. so it's a very complicated thing, and unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, if you enjoy reading uh, labyrinthine takes, this is. Uh, it seems like this is going to be what twenty twenty is made of in a, in a lot of ways for this particular arena of the discourse. Yeah, if you've doubled down, uh, especially in two thousand sixteen, and said this is the thing I'm going to do, then you're 
when you finally write your piece of this is who I'm supporting, you're basically going to have to do like a lot of symbolic logic and <laughs> yeah, this sort of logic like, well, he's gay, but he's not. So that's a quotient of 10. He's not, you not out. He's not gay, gay presenting. Therefore, I'm going to give him a half a point for that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Very complicated. Um, I mean, I, I think there's like a, a smart way to factor all this in, which is like, well, it's just, you know, representation is one priority among very many and, you know, it can maybe break a tie. It could only break a tie. I mean, that's the basic problem. That seems fair. And no, you're just not going to have identical candidates. So, it, right. you They're know, all very it's, different. it's effectively just not going to play that big a role because if you think presidents matter in the sense that they affect policy and so on, any slight benefit from a better president in the, in the sense of what policy they do, it's going to outweigh. It's yeah. going to outweigh sort of vague representational things because the president is just very powerful. They affect 330 million people at home and realistically across the world affect billions and billions of people based on foreign policy and that sort of thing. And so even just tiny little improvements spread across all the human beings it affects yeah. is going to be more important than you know whatever sort of vague representational things so it could only ever operate as a tiebreaker yeah um but ties are not common the candidates are uh you know they're very unique in certain ways yeah yeah i think more people should just be honest about like you know my animal spirits attract me to this person yeah just be like ah i like this one you know this one many uh, combination of things this one reaches me i'm sure some kind of social scientist could get down to the bottom of yeah. what it is maybe it's because i have a uh postgraduate degree <laughs> and maybe you know it's like things i maybe would be a little bit shameful to admit but like if you look at the sort of like regressions is the most likely thing predicting why i support this candidate um you know, just be humble about that, I guess. And then me meanwhile, in humiliating campaign news, our amigo Beto uh, is really trying to push the notion that his campaign is punk rock. OK, what would that mean? I mean, it's it's just been a label that's been floated around. He's like, I'm trying to run a punk rock campaign, you know, where it, it's kind of lo fi and like we don't do a lot of like dressing and setting up for events. That's why he's always standing on tables. Right. It's like impromptu. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the most humiliating thing. Uh, millennials are like, what? <laughs> we don't really do punk rock. And I mean, there is like obviously a punk subculture. What's punk rock about being a dude in khakis and a button down being like, I like to frighten my wife with a remote control cockroach and get yeah. this dream for America. Well, you have this problem in general that given punks, uh, you know, heyday, if you will, <laughs> the, a, the the age group of people who identify yeah, as, as like with aging it. punks. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's still around. You know, you'll find this, but like, you know, its moment in the sun <laughs> is people his age, and like, hate to tell you, youth ends. And it you, ends, yeah. <laughs> if you're real into, I'm a punk rocker, and I see these people because they're on the left. I've seen them my whole life on the left. And you, s you know, it just, Hey man, you're, you're 40. Like you gotta, you're not punk rock anymore. <laughs> I hate At to some tell point you. you get up in the morning and, uh, you know, you go in for your tax accountant job and you know, you got your tie on and you're like, I'm a punk rocker. And it's like, I may, I think maybe that you're a punk fan. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <coughs> you're not. Yeah. It's a youth subculture, buddy. I hate yeah. to tell you. It's a youth subculture. It's it's tough. I, I don't uh, I don't know if anyone's like laughing at Beto in a way that he uh, is, has knowledge of at this point. But uh, if the if they continue to experiment with this verbiage of I'm Beto's the punk rock candidate and, and all he's really supporting are very status quo <laughs> policies. I think heightening the contradictions there will only produce funnier and funnier. No, memes. I think it's good. I think it's good. Uh, my, my, my experience with the, the, the people who, you know, not exclusively, but a, a large number of people who uh, get, a, a get into politics through punk rock, I would say on average, very low quality, very low, low quality, quality. Uh, individuals. Uh, there are exceptions, of course, but that's been my experience. <laughs> and so the more that that becomes seen as like, jokey and ridiculous like i'm a punk rock politician uh the better i think for uh maybe uh uh softening some of those tendencies yeah uh, but and then uh joe biden further humiliating campaign news which can be a running feature on uh on the podcast now that we're really in the season uh, he, he gave us, yeah, he obviously had to address the Anita Hill issue because we're kind of in the midst of a Me Too movement and we're obviously much more sensitive to race than the Democratic Party than we were in the 90s. He's like, yeah, I wish something could have been done about that horrible thing she was put through. But my hands were tied by me. Well, you know, you hate to see it sometimes. Issued an, an, an enormous non-apology. Maybe it's jackass. a sort of a free will issue. <laughs> He's like... I'm just controlled by my atoms. And I, I hate to tell yeah. you, the world is deterministic. Yeah. I am basically, we're, and we are all basically just clocks. Uh, automatons. We are like clocks, even though we think of ourselves other than that. Yeah. And TikTok, I, had no, I, could, done, I could have done nothing more than I did do. And I also, the words I'm telling you right now were determined by, by the Big Bang. So <laughs> it is what it is. I'm nothing but a cog in this machine. You will vote how you vote. I That'll can't be control that. it. There's no reason in it. <laughs> uh, if Could he be was, right. Could be he, right. I'm not taking a line on that. Nihilist candidate. Uh, that would be an interesting turnabout for Joe. But unfortunately, the real Joe Biden's not as interesting as Diamond Joe of the Onion fame. So I doubt he's going to take a sweet ass nihilistic turn and be like, I'm a spark of this machine. Yeah, I don't no. think so. No, I think he's just a jackass. I wouldn't vote for that bitch for dog catcher. I said that on Twitter and people got mad, but I'm just going to reiterate it. I think it's funny. He is the front runner right now. He so uh, I, I'm excited to see how that plays out. It would be hilarious if he won the uh, the primary and then and then you had all these people who uh, spent, you know, 2016 just just inveighing over. Hillary, Hillary, you gotta, and and now you've got to watch them turn to you and be like, please vote for Joe. After it's like, wow, Joe is the opposite of everything you said you were interested in, vis-a-vis Hillary, uh, which is you know, her identity and representationalism, and yeah. So I, I think that would be really funny if it happened, but I don't know. Uh, we'll see. And then uh, one last bit of news from the week. The D trip, you know about the D trip. Mm-hmm. D C C C. Uh, they decided they're going to blacklist vendors who work with primary challengers. Uh, a lot of these are in blue districts, you know, safe districts even. Meow. Uh, primary challengers like AOC, Ilan Omar, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. One of the big strategies of the kind of left 
uh, kind of, you know, dim socialist movers and shakers who believe in electing people, which I am comfortable with, uh, has been to challenge centrist dims in safe districts. Mm-hmm. And what the, the D trip is obviously super pissed about that. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, yeah, we're blacklisting all vendors or consultants who work with these primary challengers to protect the incumbents. Mm-hmm. And they're now fighting with the progressive caucus about it. Rokana has, has expressed some upset about it. AOC did as well. Um, I just want to say the democratic party is doing great. I just think you're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> what I loved um, about it was when they put it out, they, they, they put it out. So immediately you'd be like, well, wait a minute. If you're saying we can't challenge incumbents, uh, have you guys forgotten that the, the whole shtick of the party since 2016 is that, you know, it's all about diversity and representation that like every other uh, content based uh, element of the party has been stripped out in favor of just what it is, the person who you're elected, what their identity is. Uh, Didn't you recognize that? And therefore have, don't you recognize that if you basically say you can't challenge incumbents, you are uh, creating a situation where you're just promoting white men because those are the ones who are currently incumbents. Uh, they recognize this problem, <laughs> and so they decide to release it alongside a sort of vague uh, uh, claim that they're also, you know, have a diversity initiative. They're like, FYI, <laughs> we also care about diversity. Well, yeah, it's also it's also diversity. So make sure make sure you do both. Make sure you point out that uh, yes, it it shall be illegal for you to uh, not illegal, but it, you, you will you, get you will get punished. You will get blackballed if you. Uh, do work for uh, a woman of color trying to challenge a uh, uh, conservative Democrat who's a white man, you will get absolutely blackballed uh, for that. But I just want to make sure you understand we are here for women of color. We are here for them. So please... We're also here for Please put that out there. It's just... It's so sad. The the sort of NGO dim complex on this is so transparently ridiculous at this point. (laughs) And it's like, at some point you have to feel like like regular people who are interested in that, like general, like generally yeah. interested. Yeah. Yeah. We should, we'll realize that every like person who's on the like management level of these like NGOs and D triple C yeah. and all like, they think you, they, you, they think you're a rube idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't care about this. They're like, Oh, the people say they want diversity. All right. Just throw that shit in there. Then like, the whole thing is completely cynical. Right. It's so cynical and people eat it up. It's just unbelievable. You talk to these people in these orgs, you know, and I have some connection and, and have had, you know, cause I'm here and I'm, I'm in the beast and whatnot. And they're just, it's just like, it's just like running a factory. Like, yeah, yeah you pull the diversity lever that gets some shit going. You uh, hate to see it. You do. You do. you do. But every time my dad sees me and he says, heard the Democrats had a shit week this week, I'm like, they sure did. <laughs> they sure did. All right. Do we want to do uh, Jared's Corner? Yeah, I think you owe it to the people. Yeah, I mean, usually I try to put this in the middle, but uh, actually, uh, wish I'm, I'm struggling a little bit to get, to get the content delivered in a, <laughs> a consistent way. Yeah, he's like um, the wind. I have not read this yet. Oh no! So this well, is, I'm you know, really please use your good judgment here. I'm really flying blind on Lives this one. Lives are on the line. Um, <laughs> you you take it easy. The both title. Hand, both hands on the wheel. The title of just this Jared's corner is "Still Ill." The world owes you a living. Okay. Still ill. The world owes you a living. 
destigmatize recreational cocaine. Okay. Legalize buying sex as well as selling sex. Mm-hmm. Let's modernize the Posse Comitatus Act. Oh. God damn. <laughs> it's interesting how bad Bernie's agenda looks compared to the Yang wave. Whoa. Demand to spend $75 trillion on the GND, yet refuse to use high UBI as society's mighty bedrock. What <laughs> at this part. Yeah. Yangcor's already showing as much cruising speed as Harris plus Beto, and he's already much faster than Warren plus Booker. Again, he's Bernie's only threat. Creeper Biden's lunch meat on the front end in a debate discourse post-Occupy slash post-movement for Black Lives slash post-teacher strikes. Bernie's surely got this got to center the UBD, Universal Basic Dividends, soon. It's interesting how liars block me <laughs> out of using automation arguments for high UBI. It's interesting how liars block me out of using automation arguments for high U- UBI these same sister fuckers demand immediately <laughs> outlawing coal production. Even more fucked up, they lie about how many will be affected by this by noting automation actually already replaced most miners and leaving out upstream downstream businesses. Most all of these parasites punt UBI to 2030 or later. They say do more trials even though hardly anybody analyzed the trials from the 70s. More divorces via UBI is good, not bad. Kruger chose death with honor. Oh. Okay. Um, uh. There's no difference between Brzezinski slash Kissinger, Stephen slash Zakaria. Both believe in legal abortion. Nader's right. There's not that much difference between Obama, Romney, or Iglesias, Rihan. Okay. <laughs> Jeff Tweedy bullied Jay Farrar plus Jay Bennett. When they say high UBI is utopian, take it as a compliment. High UBI will throw sand in the gears of cop stool pigeon systems as well as military recruitment. I might need to get them to cut it down a little bit. Oh, there's a lot there, yeah. You know, and and uh, if you need to go back, rewind it, click that button that's like back 15 seconds, back 15 seconds, click that one like five or six times and yeah. just let it marinate, I feel like. He, he uses um, block as a multi-purpose verb. Blocking is a big deal. Yeah. People are blocking the UBI. Blocking, People are blocking yeah. him, blocking things he can say. Um, blocking is a big, big part of of his understanding of the discourse and political development. And then he also distinguishes regular UBI proposals from high UBI. High UBI, yes. Yeah, that's going to be... A major component. That's going to be, yeah, like... The mighty bedrock. 12000 a year, 20000 a year, something mm-hmm. like that, as opposed to, you know, UBI could be anything. could be a dollar for everyone. Yeah. That would technically be a basic income that everyone yeah. received. Um, yeah. So, yeah, high UBI is important. Um, so, you know, he's also being on Yang. He's in the Yang gang. He's in the Yang gang. So. And so never say that we don't allow competing viewpoints on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, Jared, is he's, his views are always, always welcome here. Um, for better or worse, okay. mostly for worse, I Sometimes guess. Sometimes it goes in either way, man. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Bye. Bye.